This week on Whatever Wando, we have another list. What we have is the top five most underrated rivalries in sports and the top five most overrated. Let's get into it. This week on Whatever Wando, like I said, we are covering the most overrated and the most underrated rivalries in sports. Uh, before I start my list, I just want to make clear, this is not what I think the best rivalries in sports are. That's a whole separate list. For me, this list was just, okay, what, uh, like what rival rivalries, sorry about my voice, um, do I feel like are just like over promoted every 15 minutes and kind of just boring now and ones that I don't think get enough shine. Uh, and I'm thinking on a national stage, and this is also my own opinion. There's like a few of here that I still think are good rivalries. I just think that they are just overhyped to the point that I just don't care about them anymore. So they had to make this list. So let's get right into it. So when I speak about rivalries, I want to make this clear. I think rivalries in sports are incredibly important. I think they are great, you know, mini stories inside of a season. You know, whether it's baseball, football, college basketball, pro basketball, whatever you want. Like rivalries are important to the sport because they can make games that were already important even more important. Or, you know, for the fan base, give importance to maybe a season that didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. So for me as a White Sox fan, for example, the White Sox can be having a bad year, but I'll still get pumped up for the White Sox versus the Cubs. I will, because even though I think if you were to ask the Cubs who their rival is, it's like their number one rival is probably the Cardinals. For the White Sox, it's the Cubs. It's because, you know, you could say it's because we have that little brother complex you know, like there's always there's always more people there. There's, you know, there's more fans of the Cubs. There's all that. So even though like I'll be upset the White Sox are having a bad year, if they take four out of six from the from the Cubs, I'll be pretty excited about it. So rivalries are important. And that's not I'm trying to make sure I make that very clear. But there are some rivalries that have been going on for so long that are just so boring. They're marketed to death to the point that I don't care. I just don't. This is only my list. This is my list that I was like, okay, this is my list of things that like these games are advertised so much and I do not care. So starting with number five most overrated is the Bears versus the Packers. And here's why. Yes, both franchises have been around forever, blah, 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 blah. Like, Every time, like, for this to become a rivalry again, the Bears have to start winning. Like, I know, like, if you look at their all-time stats, it's not terrible, like, record, like win-loss-wise. But for most of my life, the Packers usually beats the, beat the Bears. From 1989 till about now, most of my life, 
like, the Packers win. Or at least they take one of the games. Like, I don't remember ever. Like, I don't remember the last time. Maybe it was 2000. Like, you know, the one we went to the, the year that we went to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. I don't remember the last time we beat them twice in a season. I honestly don't. So... Even though when that 12 o'clock game hits and they're like, all right, here we go. One of the greatest rivalries in sports, Packers-Bears. It's like, no, it's not. One of these teams is a lot better than the other. One of them has an all-time quarterback, you know, whether it was Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. And then the other one's just whatever guy they threw out there. Honestly, I'm not even calling this a rivalry anymore because I'm like, if you're watching a boxing match, one guy's pummeling the other guy and he's on the ground, that's not a fight. That's an ass whooping. And that's what the Bears versus the Packers has become. I hope one day we I can in my head, you know, go like, you know what, this is a rivalry again. Right now, it's not. So when I hear Joe Buck or whatever Jamoke they have there being like, all right, here we go with, you know, the one of the greatest rivalries in football, going like, no, it's not. Look at the last 10 games they've played. Most of them are wins by the Packers. So at number five, most overrated. It's Bears-Packers, and I say that as a Bears fan because right now it's not very close on who wins those games. So number five, most overrated, we got the Bears versus the, pra- versus the Packers. Next, we have number four. At number four, I have a rivalry that, you know, I'll kind of admit I'm cheating with this one. It's Michael Jordan versus LeBron, and here's why. I am sick of every two damn minutes, first take or undisputed or first things first or get up, somehow turn every conversation into Michael Jordan versus LeBron. Like, I'm done with it. Each side, whoever, whichever side you are picked on, whether you think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, which I do, or you think LeBron is the greatest of all time, both sides are fully entrenched. There is no moving the other side. So why the hell do we keep on discussing it over and over and over again? You know, on the Michael Jordan side, you have Skip Bayless. He will never say LeBron is better. First of all, like, he's clearly a LeBron hater. He says he doesn't hate him. I don't think he hates him, but he's like a hater for sure. No matter what he would do, he will find a stat that bats Michael Jordan. And if he doesn't have a stat, he'll go off his gut. Whatever, do you. On the other side, uh, for LeBron, you got Nick Wright. I'll be honest, I hate Nick Wright. Because Nick Wright seems to dislike everybody I like. He doesn't like Josh Allen. It seems like he doesn't like Michael Jordan. He says he does, like, he, like, he's like, I like Michael Jordan. Doesn't seem like you do. No matter what we do, nothing's going to change his mind either. So why the hell do I got to keep on talking about it? Okay, for LeBron people, you're, you know, people can say is like, hey, like LeBron's a better all around player. You know, when you factor in like rebounds, assists, all that type of stuff with those stats. And for those people, those numbers are never going to change because Michael Jordan's never going to suit up again. For the people who think Michael Jordan's better, they're always going to point to, hey, undefeated in the finals, never went to a game seven in the finals. How many MVPs did he win? How many scoring titles did he win? How many times was he a better defender? Like, neither side's going to be moved. So at this point, this rivalry, like, I get it. It's not like a rivalry that were ever played on the court. But the debates that are happening online, that happen on TV, I'm done with it. 
Like, it's over. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, thank God this didn't exist. Like, there's times that I've wondered. I'm like, what would it have been like for Michael Jordan if he was born during this era? Like, born during an era, like, when there was constant, like, debate TV and, like, social media. And, like, now that I'm older, I'm like, thank God it didn't exist. Because it would just be like, all right, who's the GOAT? Is it Michael or is it Magic? Is it Michael or is it Larry? Is it Michael versus Kareem? Like, growing up, like, every book that I read as a kid said that the best of all time was Kareem. And then we went with Jordan. I think, I personally think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. I'm also a Bulls fan, so I'm heavily biased here. And I'm willing to admit that. But this debate, this dumb rivalry needs to end because it's never going to change. Ever. I know I'm seeing it more right now because it's the summer and, you know, no one really cares about baseball. So it's like, all right, we got to find something to fill this time. But I'm done with this conversation. I'm done with the legacy of, like, whose legacy is better. I don't give a shit. This rivalry needs to end. It's overrated. It's an overrated discussion. We've had all the discussions we ever need to have about it. We never need to have it again. So let's move on. So at number four most overrated, Michael Jordan versus LeBron. Let's go to number three. Uh, and number three, I have Notre Dame versus anybody. I don't give a shit about Notre Dame. And, like, I know there are some people out there who's like, I love Notre Dame. And I always want to be like, did anyone in your family go to Notre Dame? Because it seems to me, in so many cases that I've experienced in my life, the people who cheer for Notre Dame have no connection to Notre Dame. I'm like, did anyone in your immediate family go to Notre Dame? No. Did you have, like, a second cousin that went to Notre Dame? No. Like, a great uncle? No. Like, is it just because you like Rudy? Like, because you're a member of the Catholic Church? I don't get it. My own father is probably, like, he was for the longest time and probably considers himself kind of a Notre Dame fan. Now he roots for teams that, like, you know, he had to pay tuition to go to and also, you know, he didn't have a you know a football team at his college, but like I never really understood it. Like I know he loves Rudy. I you know maybe it's the Catholicism, but I don't get where people love this like school and like it's in the middle. It's like I don't know if it's in the middle, like but it's in like Indiana and there's this weird national pull to this weird school. Like I don't I don't get it. And so whenever there's, like, a big rivalry in front of Notre Dame, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't care about Notre Dame. I don't care about Notre Dame versus USC. I don't care about Notre Dame versus Purdue. And I've been to a few of those Notre Dame versus Purdue games. I just don't care. You can't make me care about Notre Dame. I'm sorry. I'm sure at one time they were a national power. I'm sure they once were. Like, And I'm sure, like, ratings are going to say, like, oh, no, they still are. And money-wise, they do t- make a ton of money. But there's never a year where I go and go, like, you know who's going to win the national title this year? Notre Dame. So these big games they play, these rivalries, I don't care about. Like them versus Southern Carolina. Don't care. Can't make me care. Because the second you throw Notre Dame in there, sleep. Done. I'm gone. I don't care about Notre Dame. And I'm sorry if that's blasphemy, pun intended. But Notre Dame sucks. Like, sorry. So, overrated? 
any Notre Dame rivalry ever. The like I will give one slight caveat is to the kind of rivalry they developed with the University of Miami. When they did like convicts versus Catholics, like that was cool for a little bit. And that's only because the U stomped them. Like I like that stuff. But besides that, it's like, I, I don't care. So at number three, we have Notre Dame versus anybody. At number two on the most overrated rivalries list, we have Ohio State versus Michigan. Here's the problem I have with this rivalry. Uh, It is positioned well to be a big game each year. You know, you have it like right, basically right before. It's basically, I think usually it's their last game for both teams. And for many years, it does decide. I'm like, all right, which of these is representing the Big Ten in the Big Ten title game? Who's going there? Like, who's going to be undefeated? But, like, most years in recent memory for me, Ohio State kicks the shit out of Michigan. This year was different. Michigan, hats off, they won. I think Ohio State's going to kick the shit out of them this year. So I think it's going to be, like, one of those weird, you know, anomalies. It's like, oh, there was that one blip where Michigan was back. I don't think they are. And it's here's the reason why. First of all, it's just overhyped that game is overhyped and there are so many times that I've seen watching it where Ohio State wins by like 30 you know for every one of those games where it's a close one like where uh, I remember a few years ago uh not a few years ago this was like I think six or seven like Braxton Miller you know they go to overtime he gets a bad spot first down they win like I remember there's for every game that's like that there's games where you know Ohio State wins by 30, 40. Or Michigan, like, Michigan, the year, like, I think it wasn't, I think it was 2020, where they, like, they were sick, they had COVID, and I really don't think they did. Or if they did, I don't think the cases were as bad as they they thought they were. I think it was kind of like, hey, guys, we're not that good. Some of you are sick. Let's just cancel the game so we're not embarrassed on national stage. And, hey, I understand that. I just don't consider it a good rivalry. Uh, I'm sure if we look back in history, you know, there was years where, hey, like, there was a dominant stretch for Michigan State. I mean, for Michigan. I just don't think they're on the same level. When you look right now at Ohio State, there are, like, there's, like, two, like, there's, like, three major programs right now in college football that kind of set themselves alone. Maybe four. Georgia... Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. You have those four teams. Clemson had a down year. Uh, Georgia had a really big year, but I think Georgia's going to stick around. You got those four teams, and there's everyone else. And I think Michigan's more of that everyone else. So I don't consider them a true competitor for like against Ohio State. So I just don't really consider this that much of a rivalry. Once again, I'm sure the all-time stats may prove me wrong, and I may be living prisoner of the moment, but, like, as much as I try to get myself pumped up for that game each year, too many times I've been let down by, basically, Ohio State beating the crap out of them. So, number two, most overrated rivalry, Ohio State-Michigan. My number one most overrated 
rivalry in sports is Red Sox and Yankees. Here's why. For the longest time, you know, growing up, you had basically this story that was told of these two rivals, Yankees, Red Sox, and the Yankees were the big bully that just kept, you know, holding the Red Sox back, even though there was other things besides the the Yankees that held the Red Sox back. You know, they blamed it on the curse, but a bunch of other things went wrong. Eventually, the Red Sox break through, they win their World Series, and that's kind of like the end of the story. It's like, hey, we got over that big bully, you know, we came back in a big deficit, we won a title, the end. And hey, if the Yankees and the Red Sox met each other, you know, three or six games a year, maybe that would still be an exciting rivalry. They play 18 to 19 times a year. And, you know, some people say like, hey, we play so often, that makes the rivalry more important. To me, that just waters it down. I don't care. Two weeks ago, I saw advertisements on ESPN for, you know, the Yankees-Red Sox game that just happened this past weekend. And it's like, the series. It's like, I don't. they're going to play each other like two weeks from now anyway. Who gives a shit? And that's how I feel about it. It's beaten to death, and especially in baseball, especially with a team that's in your own division, you play all the time, so it waters it down. For me, the reason that the White Sox and the Cubs are special is, one, they share a city, and the other thing is we only play sometimes, like I think this year, like we only played four games. Sometimes at most it's six. Sometimes it's three. If we played 18 to 19 times a year, it'd be pretty boring. So for me, it's just played out. I think the fact they play so often just ruins it. Yes, there are times when the rivalry does pick up when they're in a, like a division race, you know, when they're both close, or if they have to play each other in the playoffs, then yes, that rivalry does step up a notch, but it doesn't make it any less overrated. I'm sure to people in New York and Boston, you love it, and hey, to each their own, but to me, I could care less. So my number one most overrated rivalry in sports is Red Sox versus Yankees. Now let's move over to the other side of the coin and look at the most underrated rivalries in sports. At number five of my most underrated rivalry in sports is Serena Williams versus Venus Williams. And I'm sure there's a few of you who just took a step back or just were like, what? You didn't see that coming? Well, you know, now you know. I'm a little more culture than you thought. Here is why I loved the Serena versus Venus rivalry. First of all, you already have the battle that is making it to the finals and making it through these giant Grand Slam tournaments, whether it's the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, the French Open, I think the other one's the Australian Open. Maybe if I'm getting those wrong, I'm sorry. You have to get to the battle and you're facing the best of the best. And imagine you get to the end, and the only thing stepping in between you and glory is your sibling, someone you love. The only way for you to feel that joy is to make them suffer and lose. And I loved it. Like, it never seemed like they they definitely didn't hate each other, because they also were doubles champions together all the time with each other. But this rivalry of, like, in the beginning, it, like, it was all Venus. Because Venus was the older sister. She was more dominant. Serena was putting her game together. 
And then you start to see, like, all right, Serena took one from her older sister. Like, okay, then it'd be back and forth. And kind of Serena took over. And it was just an amazing sports rivalry to watch. As you would just see this tournament and you would see this bracket. And you knew it's like, all right, here's number one, you know, Williams. And on the other side, it said Williams too. And you knew most of the time there was a peak for those guys, uh, for those uh, two women, where at the end of the day, at the end of that tournament, you knew on one side it was going to be a Williams and the other side it was going to be a Williams. And it was going to be a fight because both of these women were amazing tennis players. Both of them knew what the other one did well, what they didn't do well. Every little thing they knew about each other because they grew up playing to, playing together. And then the other thing you got to add on top of that is imagine going through that as their parents. Like, do you hope that one of them loses on the way so you can cheer through the title game? Or do you just go like, all right, well, at least one of them's going to win, but then the other one's going to be, you know, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're happy for their sibling, but bummed out they lost. It's an amazing dynamic that I think about all the time. And it just feels like perfectly made for like a movie of just like constantly you made it to the end. All you got to do is beat this one last person. It's your sister. And it happened for years and it was amazing. It's an underrated rivalry that we don't talk enough about. I think because of just the age difference that, you know, they both, their primes didn't, you know, match up enough together. I think people don't give Venus as much credit as she deserves. But at number five, I have Serena versus Venus Williams. Let's move on to number four. At number four, we have the Bulls versus the Pistons. Uh, Once again, I'll admit I'm very biased. I am a Bulls fan. Uh, But I feel like the Bulls-Pistons rivalry, the, the bad boys Pistons versus the Bulls, is a rivalry that no matter how much people talk about it, it's never enough. When you know when you talk about in the NBA, like what's the best rivalry? Every time it's always going to be Lakers Celtics, and I'm not disagreeing. I think it is the best rivalry, but I feel like an extremely good rivalry that didn't last as long. But I feel as at you know when you go for the peak of it being like the most fiery, the most angriest. I think the peak of anger during uh, Detroit-Chicago is higher than that of Boston versus L.A. I do. I feel the anger, the hatred, and the animosity, the very peak of that was higher during the bad boys versus and the versus the Bulls than compared to the Lakers versus Celtics. Because those Lakers versus Celtics teams, yes, did not like each other. And for sure, you can find tons of compilations of hard falls, all that, that. Those Bulls and Pistons teams hated each other. Like, and the thing is, the rivalry's still not over. Most of those guys still hate the other half of those guys. You know, when they were doing the last dance you heard them all talk about like playing those Pistons teams and it doesn't sound like a bunch of guys who are over it and same with the guys on the Pistons because all those Pistons guys basically feel like their part of the story is you know already told of like oh and the Bulls got over then they conquered the world and where the Pistons are like whoa whoa whoa. are we not going to talk about the years where we beat the shit out of them you know to the point that Michael Jordan had to rebuild his body in a different way to get better we're not going to talk about that 
that side of the story seems to, seems to be getting lost. And, you know, the Bulls are like, what about the, you know, the game seven that we only lost because, you know, Scottie Pippen had a migraine. Like, there's still so much anger there that I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. So for me, I consider it still to be underrated. Maybe there's people who think it gets its right amount of justice. I don't. And if you look at just the, you know, the people involved, you got Bill Lambeer. I don't know why he got mentioned first out of any player. That is hilarious. Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Rick Mahorn on the Bulls side. You got Horace Grant. You got Scottie Pippen. You got Michael Jordan. You know, you know, great players except for Rick Mahorn. He's not really a great player. And maybe even Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer is probably a good player. But so many great players, such an intense rivalry. I just feel like it needs more respect. So it's on my underrated list at number four. Let's move on to number three. At number three on my list, I have the Subway series. Is, is, uh, I don't know, like, I'm sure it's series is with a apostrophe. Who knows? I'm going to go with whichever pronunciation I used. So uh, that's the Cubs and the White Sox. And even though it's not really a Subway, it's more of a, you know what I'm going for. It's the L. Uh, and then you have the Mets and the Yankees. I really love those two series, especially in baseball. Here's why. First of all, neither team is in the same league as each other. One's in the American, one's in the National League in both series. So they're not teams that are playing each other like my problem with the Red Sox and the Yankees. They play 18 to 19 times a year. In these you know, special series you know, between the city itself, it's four or six games most years. Six at most. And it's a great time where you start to see, first of all, it's just so cool to have these big cities kind of battling inside of each other. Both of them have that interesting big brother, little brother dynamic. You know, the two big brothers are the Cubs and the Yankees and the two little brothers are the White Sox and the Mets. Uh, you get to see, you know, the interesting about how like, you know, one house is a Mets house. The next house is a Yankees house. Maybe they got that one oddball kid who's, you know, in each family who's a little bit different. I know for me, in my house, they're all Cub fans, except for me, I'm a White Sox fan. You go one house over, they're all Cub fans. House across the street's White Sox fans. So it's cool during those those series to see people get fired up. Like I mentioned earlier, in a bad year, this is a series that can get you excited. Like, all right, like, hey, we suck this year. But it'd be great if we can win the series against, like, you know, the Cubs. Or, like, probably the same for, I don't know about the Cubs. The Cubs might say the Cardinals, but it is what it is. It's a fun series inside of a city and also can provide some intense, you know, repercussions. You know, we've had a Mets-Yankees World Series that was very intense. I would love a Cubs-White Sox World Series. Me and my friends wondered, like, before the Cubs ever won their title 2016, like, what happens if the Cubs meet the White Sox in the World Series? That was the year either they won a title or, like, that extended the streak. Like, what would happen to the city? It would have been nuts. It would have been crazy to watch. And right now, the way the standings are going, we might be heading to another Subway Series for the World Series. We could be looking at Mets-Yankees, and it's going to be, that would be amazing. It would be insane. But them by themselves, I just love the dynamic of a battle within the city. You know, you have all these people who live in the same, 
you know, play. Same state, all that stuff. But they go like, you know what? My dad was a Met fan, so I'm a Met fan. You know, you know, my family loves the Cubs. I'm a Cub fan. I love that. And we're like the next neighbor. They have a story for why they picked the other team. I always just think that's so much fun. And I love, that's why I love these Subway series is. <laughs> so at number three, I have the Subway series. So let's move on now to number two. At number two, you have the University of North Carolina versus Duke. So I will be very honest. If you would have asked me to make this list, I don't know, eight years ago, I probably would have put UNC versus Duke at the at, in my overrated list. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten to appreciate this more. And I will very, you know, and I will be very honest. This past year, the games between these two teams, definitely, like, I'm definitely a little bit a prisoner of the moment of, like, okay, this bumped it up for me. That last game at home for Coach K, he has to play his bitter rival, and he gets smoked. And once again, like, I love it. You know, uh, Coach K, who I, you know, I really haven't talked about, I don't like Coach K. He just kind of seems like an asshole. The only thing I can ever imagine with Coach K is I always remember him lecturing Dylan Brooks after Oregon beat his team, and then he lied about it. He's like, no, like, we were just, I was congratulating him, and it's like, no, we have a microphone I picked up that you were just, like, yelling at him. Like, I can never get over that with Coach K. Um, so Coach K was doing his farewell tour, and I love that North, like, you know, he goes to North Carolina. They're like, what are you going to give me as, like, a goodbye gift? And, you know, like with most of these reward, you know, uh, you know, retirement tours, it's, you know, like, here's a little joke. Like, oh, here's a chair for you, old man. You know what North Carolina gave him? Nothing. And I love that. Why would we give you anything? You're our most bitter, bitter rival. You have taken prospects from us. You know, you have taken wins and titles that maybe we could have won. Why would I give you anything on the way out? You know what I will give you? I'll give you a bad loss at, you know, at home as your final home game with your fans. And then get to the final four. Hey, you're one game away from the national title in your final year. All you have to do is get past your most bitter rival and you'll lose. It's amazing. And all that's made me think about for next year, especially with most of UNC returning is like, and even with Coach K retiring is, oh, those Duke North Carolina games are going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch that. And it also helps because when I was, you know, eight years ago, I felt like they played all the time. Then like when you actually break it down, it's like, no, they play like twice a year. And then, you know, maybe in the, you know, maybe in the tournament. And then you have the big dance, which rarely happens. Like the fact that we got all that this year goes, man, this is a fun rivalry. And maybe to the point that it switched so much to me that maybe, you know, because I kind of, you know, zoned out out of it. Because with college basketball, certain years, I'm in and out of it. If there's like a really big name who I think is going to be great in the, in the NBA, I will watch it like crazy. If it's like a year where I'm like, I'm not sure if anyone's that good or like I was bad, I'm like, eh, I'll pay attention come tourney time. But now it's like with this, it really caught my attention this year. So for me, number two, I'm putting UNC Duke. It has gone so far to go from overrated and it has somehow now become underrated. Because now 
we're on to the next chapter. And hey, I could end up being wrong, but I'm excited to see like, okay, that chapter of the story's done. You know, Coach K is retired for now. I think he's going to come back, but he's retired. What is, you know, what is, you know, Hubie, uh, you know, Hubie versus John Shire? What, are the, what is that coaching battle going to look like? And I'm excited to see it. Maybe in like five years from now, I'll be like, wow, this rivalry sucks. But right now, it is, you know, in the last, you know, eight years for me, and that's the arbitrary number I'm, I'm picking, it has gone all the way from being completely overrated to honestly, I don't think I appreciate it enough. So I have UNC versus Duke uh, at number two on my underrated rivalries list. Now let's go finally to number one. My number one most underrated rivalry in all sports is Army versus Navy, specifically the football game. Um, you know, first of all, some of you might be screaming, like, where's, you know, you never mentioned Larry versus Magic, stuff like that. Like, let me make this clear. I'm not saying these are all the best rivalries. I was talking about what's overrated, what's underrated. You know, what gets too much appreciation and what doesn't get enough. This Army versus Navy game is always so fascinating to me. First, you have just the general rivalry between the different branches of the military. The Army tends to make fun of the Navy. The Navy tends to make fun of the Army. It's just a thing that happens by people who are either veterans of either branch or currently enlisted. They just do. It's like ingrained. It's like when I went to Iowa, I was taught to hate Iowa State. And it's the same where I don't, you know, they are taught to like make fun of the other school. And the thing is, both team is both teams are never going to be like a national championship contender. You're never going to be like, all right, this year in the college football playoff is Army. It's not going to happen. But you know at the beginning of each season, it's a one-game season. A.K.A. it's like, hey, was your season successful? Did you beat Army? Did you beat Navy? If the answer is no, from whichever respective size it is, you could have a great season. You're, you're a loser. That's it. Like the fact that their whole season is basically a one game season. It's like they have a ton of other games. Like both of them usually play Notre Dame and some other big schools. It's like, hey, did you have a successful year? Did you beat your rival? Did you beat Notre? Did you beat Army? Did you beat Navy? Like I love it. It's so intense. You see, like the stadium with all the different like cadets. It's amazing, and they're battling. Like, whoever wins gets to sing last. So I don't necessarily know if it's kind of like they're singing, like, the alma mater of their schools, or maybe there's a school song I don't know about. I should maybe know more about that. But it's whoever loses, they sing first. You know, and they're very respectful. They let whichever team loses sing first. And then the team that sings last is the winner. And it's like, this is the last thing you're going to remember of this game. You're going to hear us singing because you lost. And that's amazing. So for me, the fact that really, like, it's so crazy. Like with every other college football program, you know, it's like, did you win a national title? Or did you win your conference title? Did you win your bowl game? If you can say those things, like at least one of those things, Unless you're like an Alabama or like an Ohio State or you need to do all of those things to have a good year. For most other teams like Iowa, if we win the Big Ten title, that's a successful year for me. 
I'd love to win a national title. It's probably not going to happen. But with Army and, you know, Army and Navy, their rivalry is so, it's just like so pure. It's like, hey, you lost every game this year. You know, if, 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 you know, if Navy loses every game in a season, but they beat Army in that last game, that's a great year. Because guess what? You beat them. Same thing for Army. Army, you lost every game. You beat Navy, good year. So for me, the very the most underrated rivalry, Army versus Navy, hands down for me. Uh, I want to thank everyone again for listening kind of a, a little longer-ish, um, whatever Wando episode, uh, but I really enjoyed, you know, making it. So once again, uh, I get to mix in a little bit more of, uh, you know, things I want to rant about and also make a fun list. So thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to do a what-if episode. What if Mario Lemieux never had to retire? How many more goals would he have scored? How many more Stanley Cups could he have won? We'll find out. See you next Thursday.